0: September 12th, with John Guzan and Karen Weil. How are you doing today, oh, Karen? Good to be here. Doing great?
1: I'm doing great, and I hope you are too.
0: Today we're going to do another five points, uh, this time with all the items in the news and with what's going on up in the Dakotas, we're going to talk about pipelines, five points on pipelines today. Karen, I know this is one that's kind of close to you right now, we kind of were discussing it last week, what we'd do. Um, right. Uh, what's 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 going on up in the Dakotas? I don't think is anything that we can ignore. Um, <laughs> Correct. How about your overarching Absolutely. feelings on it before we jump into our first uh, point on our five points? Um, caught your attention pretty early.
1: Yes. Yeah, I, I've been following this this uh, whole issue from the beginning, and it, it just seems like now it's starting to get major news media coverage. Uh, even MSNBC diverted from its nonstop coverage of the 2016 presidential presidential election to, excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, put a few minutes in on, on what's been happening with the uh, the native Sioux tribe up there and that they're very strong opposition to the uh, Dakota Access Oil's proposed pipeline on the Standing Rock Reservation.
0: You know, and, and who knows, that might be to distract people on the... Uh... Hillary Clinton health scandal, um, but uh, regardless, a uh, a very valuable story. Um, let's go to our first point, and I think you know it's one of the things when we started to talk about. Um, a lot of people don't really know what the history of pipelines are in this country.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I certainly wouldn't consider myself any expert. I suppose for me, the first pipeline I remember as a kid was the one up in Alaska uh and uh i forget the exact name of it it's it's been around for what 40 something years mm-hmm. um pretty major pipeline uh that was uh you know moving oil uh, down into the states um and i i don't have i mean when we think of oil in alaska in terms of natural disasters we think of course of the exxon valdez and that was a pretty horrendous one um it seems like with this this pipeline, while there have been some minor problems, it is not—it has not been considered uh, any kind of serious threat to the environment. Although some opposition, opposition to it remains to this day, but uh, you know, as you noted earlier when we were speaking, pipelines date back to the 1800s. Something I didn't know. I mean, not, you know, obviously, you know, in this country, they have been used to move uh, natural resources uh, for some time
0: yeah you know and i think as we have 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 understood there's been smaller levels of pipelines for um, you know now that we're you know looking this up uh um there is uh an author last name was mclaurin in 1896 he wrote something uh talking about earliest idea of a pipeline was in west virginia november 1860 Mm -hmm. um right and by a man called samuel duncan carnes um and but the, all these especially in the early days, they really were rather small compared to what we're talking about today right. I mean we're talking about yeah you know an ex- hundreds of not thousands of miles um right and you know these earlys uh, you know these early pipelines were you know thirty six miles at the most uh thirty miles at the most um a lot of them were even shorter than that um it's a big difference from where we've where we've been, and I think you know, although we talk about history, and you know, we can say, you know, 1800s, nothing of the scope that we're talking about now.
1: Oh, absolutely not, of course. That was, uh, you know, the technology was such, and and the, the really the need at that time uh, for oil, again, just given the population of the United States was so much smaller than it is now, yeah, you're, you know, you're just talking about uh, a whole other level uh, where we, we are today. And of course, the level of opposition, uh, has grown dramatically.
0: Um, let's see. Uh, historically, what else do we have historically? Pipeline 101.
1: Well, uh, it, short... it seems like to me, obviously, Mr. Rockefeller, or John Rockefeller, the, the man who founded Standard Oil, he's sort of the one that took it to a whole other level in, in terms of, of transporting oil and, and which grew power. I mean, that was the time when the automobile was... You know, now on the American scene, and um, there's no question he played a major role in that. Mm-hmm. And, and, in the growth and, of
0: them. Yeah, and 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 how many how many people understand that there were there have been pipelines traversing the country since before or around the time of World War One. I? I mean, we're talking a hundred right. years. Yeah, um, I mean,
1: according to one, the history of pipelines, Pipeline One Hundred One, which is a legitimate website, the first commercial oil well. Happened in, in 1859, and and from by Colonel Edwin Drake in Titusville, Pennsylvania, and of course the use of pipe for oil transportation started soon after. So you're you're talking, you know, 150 plus years—a very long time. Um. But the, the yeah.
0: No, no, no. Go ahead.
1: No, so just then, of course, they, you know, after after the first well was drilled, and then around the 1860s is when. Pipeline business really started growing, including the manufacture of it and the type of metal used, from wrought iron to steel. Um, the technology started improving, which was a good thing, um, without question. But at the end of the day, like any type of transport or system, per se, to move it, accidents are going to happen. Uh, I think when we've seen major pipeline leaks, that causes a lot of alarm. When we've seen trains carrying, Uh, crude uh, energy and and oil, uh, you know, uh, having those spills or crashes and the kind of disaster and hazmat issues that that can raise. Or with trucks, uh, even smaller trucks uh, importing it. If any time, you know, for example, I live here in Southern California, and any time you've had a a truck carrying oil or some other type of of natural resource like that, if it could, you know, spills on the highway. I mean, you're talking about shutting down a part of a major freeway for hours while there's hazmat cleanup and, and everything else. So consequences from these are very serious.
0: And, and, you know, the other thing that, that a lot of people, I don't think, understand is especially if you're living in the western United States um, right. or, you know, anything west of Texas, um, almost mm-hmm. all the gas that you have is from a pipeline um, to right. put in your car. Um, pipelines are centered around, for the most part, um, the current refinery uh, capital of the world, which is Houston, Texas, or right. the general area, most pipelines um, start or end there, depending on, on what, they're, what they're doing. A lot of crude oil goes there, and then they make refineries to make gasoline and other things, and then they, they get shipped yes. out. So, and it's, there's that tie between what used to be uh, the you know, Gary, Indiana, uh, the Southern uh, Great Lakes area by Chicago, not in the city itself, um but a lot of the pipelines come came from that area cuz there was early refinery work there before Houston became um the real center of the world for for refining oil but we are primarily yeah. always talking about oil and its byproducts in these pipelines mm-hmm. um there's no real reason to move anything else there's usually water sources in in different places um, we don't have any other liquid that we need or gas because there's also, uh, natural gas pipelines, there's gasoline pipelines, there's a refined oil, which is gasoline for the most part, and then there's the crude or shale oil, um, and it's, you know, obviously there's, there's differences to what goes on in these things, um, but the, I, you know, I, I just don't know whether people understand how many pipelines there are, um, Give it, give it the example from the, you know, Pipeline 101. United States has the largest network of energy pipelines in the world. It's more than 2.5 million miles of pipe. Um, so, obviously, Keystone, North Dakota is not going to be adding much of a, you know, when, when you talk about 2.5 million miles and, you know, you're talking about a 1,000-mile pipeline maybe, that's not much when you go into 2.5 million miles. Um, crude oil right, pipelines, uh, fifty-five thousand miles of crude oil trunk lines, uh, usually eight to twenty-four inches in diameter. Um, right. There is a national pipeline mapping system that you can see. It's uh, for anybody wants to look at it. It's www.npms.phmsa.dot.gov. Uh, if anybody's interested. Yeah.
1: Um, There's good solid information there, and and it's, it's, I think, for people who do, as you said, want to educate themselves more on this and why it is so important. Uh, I I think most of us, as we go about our days, sorry, John, um, go ahead. You know, we we drive a car, we go to a gas station, we pump the gas, we get back in the car. Um, and, and, And understandably and fairly, most of us don't think about it because we don't have to. Uh, but I think, obviously, this issue now in the Dakotas is, is starting to raise a lot of awareness on a lot of fronts, including, you know, how this stuff is transported and what are the risks and or benefits of it. And, and, and if it's educating you, you know, the United States public about that, uh, all the better.
0: Yeah, and, you know, great segue, I think, too. And, you know we, we, you know, we talk about the history. We talk about how many million miles there are of pipelines. We talk about... Uh, you know, how many miles there are of crude um, that you know, really right. started in the late 1800s and, 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 and became, by the time Standard Oil was broken up, by the time World War I came, we had already been a country dependent on pipelines. Most of our infrastructure wouldn't have worked, and everything since then has just really been key to keep up with demand, um, but it's basically extending the same philosophy that was enacted around the turn of, uh, you know, it, into the 20th century. Um, you know from the 1800s to the 1900s that idea of pipelines being uh, uh, you know crucial to our national energy policy was made then and and nothing's really changed uh, everything else has just been about getting new resources a great segue yeah. I think into the Dakota pipeline. Um, what have you seen there? Uh, what's caught your eye? It, you know, what do you want to talk about any of the, you know, what exactly it is? I thought you know, that that's kind of a good place for us to start. And I don't know whether you, know, you want to jump into that or you want me to jump into that and you, then we can kind of talk about some of the with, protests. We, with
1: the Dakota pipeline uh, issue? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely because this is really, again, I think, waking the public up to both the good and the bad of major projects like this, and of course the Dakota Access Pipeline project is this proposed 1100 mile 30 inch diameter right. pipeline that's going to connect the Bakken, that area of oil up in the Dakotas, and the three-fourths, pro- three fourths, three fourths, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> production areas in North Dakota uh, to to traverse across a good chunk of the Midwest to bring this oil uh, to refineries and, and elsewhere. Um, now, of course, this does fall into, you know, Native American land, specifically the Standing Rock Reservation. Uh, and, you know, and, and just to remember, I mean, reservations are considered, for the most part, sovereign nations with a lot of rights in terms of what they can allow or not allow on their property. Uh, certainly, we've seen the expansion of casinos, something normally the, the federal government or many state governments would not want in their states, but again, because... There have been so many court cases and other issues. Reservations have the right to go ahead and and open these up and the right to regulate them and and take revenue from them, et cetera, so forth. Now, on this Dakota Access uh, Pipeline, the Army Corps of Engineers originally decided to grant the permits uh, to the Texas-based company called, uh, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking out on the name here, forgive me, that wants to do this. It's called Energy Transfer partners, which was the one that would be building uh-huh. the pipeline itself, um, again, the, the federal government, the Army Corps, g- Corps gave this decision. Uh, of course, tribal leaders say, look, this violates several federal laws, and it's going to harm nature water supplies. Also, you know, there are ancient historic sites here that are going to be disturbed during construction. These are very important to... Uh, the tribal peoples, as well as to historians and uh, you know, many other Americans who think they should be left alone, uh, out of respect not only to American history but certainly to uh, the Standing Rock the tribe itself. Um, so, and as, as many people heard on on Friday, the federal government stepped in to say, you know, work is not going to continue on this. They're, they put a voluntary pause. However, when the Standing Rock Sioux had filed a, a lawsuit. Uh, a judge uh, basically said, you cannot stop this project indefinitely. One way or another, it may go on. Um, it, it, the judge did say this whole permitting process needs to be carefully scrutinized, but the tribe has not demonstrated that an injunction is warranted. So really it's at a standstill, but what the future holds, uh, you know, that could be anything. This time could just go on, or it, it maybe stops. I suppose, if it ended up in another court. Or if just the company itself said, like Keystone did with the fourth phase of its pipeline uh, last year, and of course the Obama administration also stopped it, but just said, this just isn't worth it at this point. We'll revisit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think also, along with the legal issues and what the tribe wants and what the pipeline company wants, just media attention to this, as we were saying earlier, has grown Uh, certainly many Native American tribes have gotten involved in this it's also drawn protesters including Jill Stein the Green Party candidate for president she was arrested as well as Amy Goodman who is considered very much a hero in progressive circles uh, because of her reporting on democracy now and she has you know been on many major media programs news programs as well Um, so you're just starting to see a lot of that buzz and a lot of that attention uh, coming not only from the progressive circles, but sort of the quote-unquote mainstream media is now looking at this. Um, to me, on a larger level, John, this also may show there's a reawakening of the Native American rights movement. Perhaps not, uh, perhaps similar to what was going on in the early 1970s. Uh, certainly, we would hope without some of the violence that occurred at, at sure. places like Wounded Knee and uh, with Leonard Peltier and, and, and other. Uh, issues or figures in, involved in it. So, yeah. again, this is gaining attention for a lot of reasons, the environmental, the economic, the political, and certainly the social uh, sector of it.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think the tribe lately has been uh, claiming that they own the land, and I think, you know, that's still mm-hmm. part of a dispute. And, you know, from what... Right. From what I've been able to, you know, gather in our in our in our research, um, there is that the land beneath the pipeline supposedly was first accorded to the Sioux under the Treaty of Fort Laramie in 1868. But then, okay, when there was a war in 1879 between the Sioux and the U.S. government, um, they they quote unquote renegotiated the treaty um, by, right. by by by. Putting them on a reservation and not allowing them to hunt or providing them food, right? Um, and right. then you know, there's been legal situations going back and forth, and talking again about the 70s. In culmination of some of that, um, you know, right of self independence um, in 1980, the Supreme Court ruled, um, for example, that the Black Hills, which are not very far from where this area starts, at least from where right. the, the the pipeline starts, that the uh, that the U.S. took the Black Hills unjustly. And ordered um, yeah. U.S. government compensation, um, but the suit declined the payment, and so it's still sitting, gaining interest in a bank somewhere or in U.S. <laughs> Treasury accounts somewhere, because um, they want co-ownership of the land. They don't just want to be paid off and then say, "Well, we get to keep it." So, you know, I think yeah. this is one of those. It's it's also a very it's not a very clear issue because it comes into tribal Correct. rights. And even if you want to go and say, well, you know, and, 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 and eschew the whole idea of the doctrine of discovery where, you know, white man could come in and just take land because they saw it first or they say that he did. Um, it just becomes a different right. idea. And, it,
1: it, but it's, it's still out ex- there. Yeah, it, I don't
0: think it's been, and it hasn't allowed to go through the legal process all the way. And part of it is you delay so long that you build something on it and then you say, well, I own the house anyway, so... You know you gotta compensate me now for destroying my house if you want the land, and you know mm-hmm. as as you mentioned it becomes a situation where and and it seemed to me from some of the reporting that happened, they were in such a you know sure fire hurry to just start plowing um yes and making it flat so that they can start to put the pipeline um above you know obviously it's above ground pipeline um so you can make that happen, and, and all of a sudden it goes in, and there's little you can do then to, to step back from something like that. And, you know, luckily right. over, you know, for them, for the protesters, they were ready for it. So they were there to say, hey, we're not going to let it happen. Um, but right. you know, I, I,
1: think, I think, yeah, I think, frankly, this Texas-based company seriously underestimated the level of protest to this, and they didn't see it coming. And, of course, today with social media, uh, just the word is spread so much more quickly to raise awareness. Um, now, some of it, the information coming from that could be inaccurate. Uh, but nevertheless, it I, I think it has overwhelmingly helped the protesters.
0: Oh, yeah. And, you know, some more, uh, you know, facts. I mean, you talked about it goes from the into to uh, Illinois, I think, um, in a place yes. where, mm-hmm. where it can get processed. But it, supposedly the plan is that yes. it's going to transport Four hundred and seventy thousand barrels per day, um, with a top end capacity, you know top end capacity of five hundred and seventy thousand barrels per day, um, right. and that's about half of the Bakken current daily crude oil, per, crude oil production. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, a lot of oil um, that's going to go from North Dakota um, to 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 the refinery areas or even into um, the other, you know, we can go back into, you know, eventually could go into Keystone or go into different places to get down to um, to Houston where it needs to get processed, unless it's going to go to the, to a to a refinery in in Illinois um, along the along the Great Lakes area there. Um, but still, a really huge uh, project. Um, the protesters were successful to a certain level, right?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Yes.
0: Um. So, the details of that, um, again, are what work was halted by uh, a a judge on
1: Friday, right?
0: Um. Well, stopped and, on no, one the, segment. the federal
1: government stepped in and basically ordered the work stop on one segment of the project. Now, for on the other side of that, a judge, however, rejected the uh, the tribe's wanting an injunction. So you've got both the legal end of it, a court. Saying one thing, you have the federal government saying another. Um, so it's at a standstill. Okay, but what happens from there, again, is anybody's guess. It just depends on whoever's going to make that next move, perhaps in another court. The tribe may be taking it to a higher court to see what they say. It could end up, I mean, you know, as so many others do, it could go all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, if the Texas based company is not going to back off and, and wants to do this.
0: Now, one of the biggest arguments um, from from the folks in the tribe, besides their sovereignty, um, which we we're talking about, is is also um, that it has a, the potential and it threatens water. Um, and that right. other issue is that it runs right next to the Missouri River. Is that right? Right. It's it doesn't run very far from the Missouri River and almost. Any significant leak um, would flow into the Missouri River. Is, is is that also the same? You know what what you understand is is you know besides the the you know the fact that you know they don't think that something should be built on their land that they don't agree with. It's also the water threat, right? And
1: that's that's I think the key element in any opposition to pipelines. It certainly was with the Keystone's fourth phase because it was going to run right across the Ogallala Reservoir, which is a major freshwater resource in the United States, if not the world. Uh, Even even politically conservative states uh, that it was running through, a lot of people said we don't want this here. Yeah, we like the money from the oil, but we don't. We'd like to also have clean water to drink and for our farms and and our livelihoods, and our, just our lives. So yeah.
0: according to the, that the uh,
1: Fort Sage is now shut down.
0: According to the Standing Rock Sioux, um, the pipeline's not going to technically run directly through the Standing Rock Reservation, but it would cross the Missouri River. It's going to cross the Missouri mm-hmm. River, and it's going to be a, only a few hundred feet upstream um, from, from where the Standing Rock Reservation starts. So they're running it right, you know, they're going a few hundred feet, um we're across the Missouri River and that's only and it's only a few hundred feet from where the the tribe's reservation land starts so it's basically like it'll spill if the spill happens the all most near the Missouri River it's going all run into the reservation so any cleanup or the direct impacts are going to be on the Standing Rock tribe
1: Correct. I mean, the company, even though you know it could offer, but it does, its under no obligation to do so. And as we've seen with far too many other natural disaster, disasters, not natural ones, excuse me, but uh, human-caused or uh, by energy spills like this, it seems like the companies try to find a way not to have to pay for this. You know, uh, hence uh, we get a super fund cleanup, which of course falls to the taxpayers. Or another uh, governmental authority is is stuck with the bill, so that's that's another element here. How much this company would be willing to uh, to take responsibility if the worst happened, and the Missouri River being a major tributary, uh, yeah, there's just a lot at stake in that case. Yeah,
0: and you know, for those um, you know out out in the West or in other places that don't understand uh, the impact of the Missouri River, but it is one of the major feeds into the Mississippi. Um, that's right. Um, it is uh you know it's you know what Lewis and Clark took to get as far as they could in the Northwest Passage going yes. the other way. Um but you know that's that's really um it's one of the major rivers in the United States. I mean this is not uh, yes. this is not one of the small western rivers we have. I mean m- minus the Colorado <laughs> right. um you know we don't have any real major rivers. Um a lot of small things I mean we we're dependent in the Phoenix area for on the Salt and Verde and Agrafia, but it's really a different kind of situation. You're talking Missouri River impacts. you know ten, twelve states. Uh, the drinking water, f- probably for you know tens of millions of people. Um, That's correct. Uh, you know it's 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 major. Uh, it's a major uh, water source. It's a, one of the major rivers in North America. Um, despite the federal government stopping it, protests ha- haven't stopped.
1: That's correct. No, they have not, and they've only grown. So, again, it, it, for now, in terms of the optics, as we know, you know uh, I believe authorities uh, you know, use some pretty strong physical force to push the protesters back. Uh, the optics of this have really not been good in, in terms of, uh, of how the tribe is being treated when it's you know, having its legal right to protest this. So, and then, of course, with some public figures being arrested, again, that only adds more attention to this.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, very uncommon, I think, um, for most Americans. We see this in our own towns and in different places. You have a issue and you can get government to kind of sedate uh, the protesters by saying, okay you know, we're going to do a delay, or okay, we're going to, you know, look at this, and then all the protesters go home, and the next month they're too tired. And so this is, you know, it's a real different situation if what's being reported is true. It seems like there's even more people there now uh, than there were last week or the week before, over Labor Day weekend, when the story really kind of exploded.
1: Right. And again, that's only going to help the tribe's cause. The more people that it can get out there... Uh, and perhaps if you start having some congressional representatives get involved, um, and of course, public opinion. I, I, I just think it it benefits their uh, side of this. I, I just don't think that the, the company that wants to build a pipeline has done a particularly good job at this of making its case, even with one judge ruling in its favor.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's one of those difficulties. I think you know if we look at the if you look at the pipeline map, there wasn't really much that ran through that area before because of the significance to of it. um, Also, what was there? Obviously, they didn't have all those oil. All those oil wells weren't known in uh, or that they could get to them. You know, without fracking, they probably wouldn't be having all the oil in the uh, in the Dakotas right now. I mean, there's been a technological change. But there wasn't really anything running through the area, and also, and so it becomes, you know, a lot of pipelines run through a lot of the 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 rivers of the east, um, and run in different ways. But again, it's it's getting refineries, it's getting the oil from one area to another, and it's also different. The type of oil you're getting is not as clean um, as they were in other spots. So, I mean, it's just a different right. kind of. Um, Idea, uh, and that's and that was point two in our five points. When so we wanted to talk about um, the Dakota Access Pipeline, and on 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 point three, I think we wanted to go back and talk about the first real public opposition, major public opposition to a uh, pipeline was Keystone XL. And yeah,
1: absolutely. When we
0: started talking about it, one of the things we thought that people didn't understand that Keystone XL is the is phase four of another pipeline project, which is still up and running and people might not understand, but there is a Keystone pipeline and it was built. Uh, the first three phases were built. Um, Keystone yeah. XL kind of cut the corner. It ran directly from Alberta, Alberta uh, in Canada through to the line that would then of course go down into Houston to refine this sludgy tar sands into gasoline
1: mm-hmm. for the
0: most part. Um, but a lot of people, I don't think, know that 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 really there is there is a functioning Keystone Pipeline.
1: Oh yes, there is, of course. I, I mean that's, I, I you know I think you had certain elements, uh, political elements in this country make a lot of hay out of it, especially in terms of claiming somehow the Obama administration had just stopped everything about this and you know ended up costing us millions of jobs, which of course this pipeline really produced very few. Jobs for Americans, and of course the revenues from it, for the most part, would benefit Canada, not the United States. Um, I mean, fair enough, it's Canada's pipeline, but nevertheless, it's running in a foreign country. Um, but you're you're absolutely correct. I mean, they the three. It's, this is a, a 3,400 uh, well, it's a kilometer long pipeline for our Canadian friends, but that's about a 2,100 mile long pipeline running from Alberta, the province in Canada, to. That's just the first phase, just to Steel City, Nebraska. Uh, then it continues on from Nebraska to Cushing, Oklahoma. And then, of course, then from Cushing it goes into Texas where the refineries are uh, in cities like Port Arthur and uh, terminals in, like, Naderland, Texas. So, but, yeah, those, threes, those three are done. Uh, the, the one that's under construction now is called the Houston Lateral, and it's a 70. Or, I'm sorry, 47-mile pipeline, which isn't very long. Uh, transporting it from uh, Houston uh, to—I'm sorry—from a pipeline in Liberty County, Texas. There are hundreds of counties in Texas that anybody knows about that. Uh, I can't certainly couldn't name them all uh, to refineries in a terminal in, in Houston, which as you mentioned is the refinery capital of this country. So and it's going to go online next year. So that's also a done deal. Yeah, and uh, know, one,
0: when we talk yeah. about the Dakota Access Pipeline doing you know 560 thousand uh, barrels a day at max output, or moving that from place to place, right. um, if Keystone XL was completed, it the total capacity for the whole Keystone system would be 1.1 million barrels per day. So, mm-hmm. you know,
1: yes.
0: we're talking about, you know, big projects of both of these would move a lot of oil. I mean, we're not talking about any oh, yeah. smaller... Uh, you know, it's not like Dakota Access is is anything small, um, because no, what it isn't. Um, you know phases three and four or phase three um, and phase two of Keystone basically is on par with the Dakota Access pipeline. I mean, we're talking uh, it's somewhere around five hundred ninety one maximum uh, uh, barrels a day. Um, right. So you know, obviously, Keystone XL would have kind of taken that up to, you know, the another level um but it's you know on par by itself with with the dakota access pipeline it's not really a different kind of pipeline um a lot of similarities between the two um i know that there's um supposedly some 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 extra safety elements in dakota access pipeline um but we they they might have integrated those into keystone excel too I, I wouldn't think it would be any less safe um, but you know, these are massive projects moving a lot of oil.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. But again, as you, you know, this because this is going to be routed over the sandhills in Nebraska, um, you know, and again a major water uh, source. Uh, just the opposition to that was huge, uh-huh. and it, would be, it was a political football certainly used by people running for you know, various seats in Congress, of course, you know, directing their criticism. Either at you know indirectly Hillary Clinton when she was in the State Department, and of course President Obama. Um, So this was a huge political deal, and a lot of sort of uh, you know uh, propped up or or shall we say uh, perhaps puffed up uh, claims about how many jobs it would produce, uh, which just wasn't the case. And uh, you know there was a lot of information about it. Uh, but, of course, as we know, in November of last year, the Obama administration rejected uh, that phase of the Keystone XL pipeline. Um, for now, it appears to be dead. Uh, but, of course, I think, depending on who is president next year, that that could change. So people who are watching that issue you know, are also looking at it in terms of the political ramifications. Yeah, If, and, and- if Keystone wanted to... to wanted to pursue it again. I, I mean, it seems to me at this point the, co- the company has not really said whether it wants to. Obviously, it was not happy about uh, the Obama administration's decision.
0: Yeah, and, you know, but obviously it was it a situation air. where um, it was something that had been growing. Um, there was a lot of uh, actions of, of this nature taken during George W. Bush's yeah. administration, and then things changed. And as, as you say, um you know they can just sit back and say okay well we'll we'll wait till we have someone um that sees the things the way we do uh in power um you had mentioned um the Ogallala aquifer was one of the issues yes. um with Keystone uh XL um and yes. really the whole you know there's 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 not really there's you know parts of the other of of the current uh Keystone pipeline are still threaten those areas um, you know, for the most part. and But then it's also the Texas's Carrizo-Wilcox Aquifer. Um, that's, that's drinking water to more than 12 million people across 60 counties in uh, East Texas. Right. Um, and it, just the last little bit, because I want to use this as a segue into um, point five, which um, we have is, uh, or, you know, I'd, I want to kind of make point five, I think, pipelines can be really messy. Um, and then we, I mean, point four pipelines can be really messy, and then we'll go into point uh, five pipelines Do help, and we will go into some of the positive aspects of some pipelines. Um, right. So I, I want to segue from Keystone, um, and the idea was that the even the, the safety uh Trans Canada um with Keystone XL pipeline, um, they said that its real time leak detection system um, could leak up to 700,000 gallons of tar sands crude before the real time leak detection system was notified. Um, which is sometimes one of the problems you have in these long running pipelines that, that you know you can't have somebody looking at it. And it's the difference why we started with the history in this in this in this current discussion. We started talking about the history and talking about a thirty-mile pipeline, and then when you're right. talking about a seventeen hundred-mile-long pipeline, um, where you could have a leak, and, and also they've gotten bigger. Where sometimes you have thirty-six-inch pipe, which is bringing you know five hundred million or five hundred thousand barrels a day, you could have seven hundred thousand gallons of tar sands leak before you even know it. Uh, it's e- uh, before it's even leaking. number. Um. So let's go. So you know, I think that's a good segue from Keystone um, to talk yes. about some of a little bit about the history. Um, and that you know, you talk about do pipelines actually leak? Um, and and you know, point five we we're going to make here is that sometimes pipelines can be really, really, really messy. Um, and let's <laughs> yes, can. and let's go back just to, and let's go back into Keystone. We talked about theoretical leaks of seven hundred thousand gallons before it's known, um, but there was a leak as early as in April. Um, right there was a leak. TransCanada said that there was they first they thought it was only one hundred eighty-seven gallons, is what they told regulators. And then they later said, "Okay, well, it's really sixteen thousand eight hundred gallons, which was a little bit of a difference. Um, uh, if I do the quick math, it's around sixteen thousand seven hundred gallons. Um, mm. <laughs> it's a lot." Um, that
1: is no, that's a lot,
0: without question. Uh, so they shut down. Um, there was a tw- there was a t- Keystone break in twenty thirteen. In North Dakota. Um, uh, no, sorry, uh, fix it. Um, oh. I, I want to I I restate that. We talked about Keystone in 2016, oh, okay. it was about 16,000 gallons. Then there was another pipeline in North Dakota, and it's called the Tesoro pipeline. That's T E S O R O. And it was about 20,000 barrels, or about 840,000 gallons um, of oil that spilled into a wheat field. And it covered roughly the size of about seven football fields. And the cleanup wow. effort was several years. It's probably still going on. Um, those are some of the recent leaks that, that you know, one in 2011. Um, right. You know, they happen. You know, you put a pipeline in, you put in any sort of, of, of technology in, and, and the best ideas of um, of mice and men are, are proven to fail. Um, you know well, we, of course,
1: there is no foolproof uh, way of doing this. Be it a pipeline, a train, a truck, <laughs> a tanker in the ocean. How many times have we seen, seen horrendous oil spills like the Valdez uh, or, or like underground lines like we saw with Deepwater Horizon in 2010? Uh, Again, there is no foolproof method. The only goal companies need to have is try to find a way to make them as foolproof as possible with the understanding when a disaster does occur that they need to take serious responsibility of getting it cleaned up. Obviously, the federal government plays a role as well, but that's just the reality we all have to live with in terms of having the energy we need to run this country
0: every day. I mean, you know, you go through uh, Wikipedia, other sites that, that kind of look at pipelines and pipeline accidents. Um, you know, you can see, and I don't have the exact stats of how many have been since 2000, but just looking through the lists, because I don't see anywhere that anybody has has really kind of quantified it, and I haven't found it, and we can look for it really quick. But it looks like there's not a year passes that there's not at least 20 pipeline leaks. Um, uh, You know, I'll just take one for example. I stop in the middle. Uh, September or April 13th, 2011, uh, White Oak Township, Michigan, um, 460,000 gallons of gasoline um, leaked in a ranch. Um, we go wow. just a month later. Um, threaded connection failed on a Keystone pipeline pump station in in Sargent County, North Dakota. Four hundred barrels then leaked there. Um, Mary's Maysville, Oklahoma, May nineteenth, twenty eleven. A ten-inch crude pipeline right. ruptured. Forty-two thousand gallons of crude um, were lost and, and spilled over the over where people live. Um, I think we saw last year, anecdotally, I remember seeing on the news there was a neighborhood that got flooded with crude oil. Um, wow. And, and I don't even remember which one that was, but, um, you know, we can go on and on, I think. Oh, and,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. This happens on a far greater level than we're seeing the news coverage show or, or than most Americans, that would certainly include myself, realize. And, I, I you know, until foolproof or which again is impossible but until better methods are found or devised to transport these these energy resources this uh, again this is the reality we're living in but the goal should be to place them in areas where as little damage as possible can be done to other types of natural resources such as water and there you know that's that's the crux of it
0: okay um Chicago Tribune had a story uh, May 2015. So Mm -hmm. their analysis says since 2009, pipeline accidents have have increased uh, 60%, um, roughly matching the rise in U.S. crude oil production. Mm -hmm. Um, Two-thirds of the leaks are linked to corrosion or material welding and equipment failures, um, especially with older pipelines. The older they get, uh, you know, like like all of us, right? The older we get, the more we break down. Um, yes, it happens. Um, but since 1995, there's been more than 2,000 significant accidents involving pipelines carrying crude oil and refined petroleum products, including gasoline, and they have caused. More than three billion dollars in property damage. Yeah, that,
1: um, that sounds about right.
0: And it's 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 according to the federal office that oversees pipeline safety, which is called the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration. Um, and that mm-hmm. averages to that averages about uh, about a hundred a year. Um, so I don't think anyone can say that anyone who worries about leaks is being, you know, like a negative Nancy. You're saying, oh, you're just worried about oh, things that aren't going to happen. These yeah, things I, do I think, happen.
1: I think, I mean, you're still going to have a, a kind of, shall we say, uh, apologists for that industry. And I'm not claiming that everybody in it is. I, I do not believe that. But some that are making that claim. But their their credibility over time has lessened quite a bit. I, I think most Americans understand that, yes, we need to do a half have ways to haul energy. Yes, they come with risks, but we also want the companies running this to acknowledge that that is the case. And if they're not doing that, they're, they're, you know, their credibility erodes quite a bit.
0: Right, and, and you know, it's undeniable that they happen. Sure. with you know 3 billion dollars worth of property damage you know somebody's going to have to pay uh, obviously then right. I, you know and I,
1: wildlife pays as well not only just humans and their property but you know animal life is it can be just negatively affected uh so there are there are so many costs to this right
0: and, and you know the costs aren't just financial as we can talk about right. it. and it's not and, and obviously it goes back to all of us whether whether we're talking about us as a taxpayer or a consumer, um, if the if the if the companies that operate these are going to have to actually pay a lot of the, the cleanup money, um, then they're going to pass it along to us. They're not going to say, "Well, we're just going to take it out of our savings." They're corporations designed to make money, and you know we live in a of capitalistic course. system, and you know more power to them. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be passed on. Um, if it's but that's if, right
1: to the consumer. Right, and if it's the
0: federal government's going to step in, then we're going to pay for it too because it's our taxes are going to be, you know, whether our taxes go to paying, paying, you know, the debt or whether we go to paying other things, you know, direct into our taxes for them to take care of it, we're paying for that too. Um,
1: Yeah, well stated, John.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, um, you know, it goes into, um, you know, I think what we want to make is our last point in the five points this time on pipelines, and I think it's that because of the 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 you know we kind of segue talking about our capitalistic system we live in and I don't I, I think it's more than capitalism it's it's our technology it's the cars we drive it's the products and plastics we buy it's the way that they um, you know um, petroleum products are used in in virtually everything um, we use these days um, from our cell phones to the pharmaceutical drugs that we take to Um, the way that we we fertilize our crops. Um, We are a society dependent on oil. And um, that being said, point five is that because of that, pipelines can be of a benefit. Um, And we want to give it its due because, you know, we all can understand that if we live in an old agrarian society and we decide that we're going to all ditch the internet and our cars and we're just... We're not going to get medical attention, and we're just going to go back to living on farms and having tribes, which is an option, but one that is not really one that's 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 easily grabbed onto these days. There's, you know, uh, if you talk to most people that are against the Keystone, and you say, "Well, the option is we're going to go all oh, this live on a small farm, and we're going to shoo modern society because that's the only way we're going to get rid of this stuff." Uh, well, most, exactly, most-
1: and I think more Americans every day are making better choices in terms of public transportation or what they're doing in their own buying habits. Many are growing their own food now, and and I think obviously the connection for a human being to the land is is beneficial on so many levels. Uh, but obviously we're now in a world of nearly 8 billion people. The United States being the biggest user of natural resources, if I may make this leap and go into this, No, please. Uh, certainly has, has caused uh, you know, both good and bad uh, things <laughs> to happen, but you're now dealing with rising economic powers, certainly China now has been really a major, major economic power for 20-plus years, and has a billion people who are consuming ever more amounts of, of natural resources, India as well, to a lesser degree Brazil, and many other nations coming up. And understandably, their consumers say, hey, wait a minute, we want to live a lifestyle similar to what we see in the United States. We're working hard every day. We want those things. Well, all right, fine. But, again, that is a greater consumption of natural resources, of fuel resources, and, where you know, again, that leads to the main question. Where do we have the balance here to protect what we have on this beautiful, amazing planet? while well, making sure as many people as possible, no matter where they may be, are able to live a decent, healthy life lifestyle I, I, yeah that's the you know five trillion dollar question that I don't think anyone certainly not me has an easy answer to
0: yeah and, and it's 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 not an easy it's not an easy question um,
1: no it is not you know, not by a long shot
0: you know and and besides um, the idea um, that we needed, like, say, you know, who's gonna really let go? Uh, most of these people, uh, even you know, people who are consider themselves environmentalists or people that live in large cities, um, you can't have one without the other. It's almost, it's it's That's very correct. difficult, you know, for especially people that live in high rises or live in the large metropolitan areas of the East. People from New York City, people from Chicago. Yeah. Um
1: Chicago or even LA now and LA has expanded, you know, which is great news, its metro system. And I don't know if you've ever used it, John. My husband and I have, and it's terrific. When we've gone to LA and if we're staying in a hotel there, we don't want to use our car. We want to get on the metro, get off in fun places in Hollywood or, or, you know, near USC or what have you and walk around. So and well, of course yeah, I mean, we've traveled you know, to New York, we've been to Chicago, we've used those systems extensively. They are
0: wonderful. Yeah, and and you know, as as much as we can make the small gains in doing certain things in larger metropolitan areas, we have right. to understand that that our major cities are based upon the idea that business as usual continues, and that includes pipelines, oh, and that includes oil consumption. Um, you have no, if you change the nature of our economic system, which is the only real way that you could possibly get rid of. There are dependence on oil at this point or even our dependence on, um, uh, on, on, on pipelines, which is what our discussion is. Um, you have no way for these. Can you grow enough food um, if you don't use petroleum products to eventually fertilize crops? Because as we know, crude oil and gasoline will kill crops. But then they also right. use the refinery process and petroleum products are put into our industrial fertilizers. There just oh, have to be, without
1: question, and, just... and furthermore, they fuel the machines, the tractors, combine harvesters, etc., so far, to make sure that these farms can produce lots of produce and 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 livestock. Well, they're not producing, but you know, you know, they're they're using livestock and whatnot to make sure people every day can have the vegetables and fruits and yes, meats that they they uh, need to to survive and live and enjoy life.
0: Yeah, and that's just really my point about the about the large cities. I just want to make sure that that got you know, brought out. Right, is no, that, and it's you know, a very
1: good one. I, again, I mean, we're, America is is more, you know, yes, America is big cities. It is the lifeblood. It is part of our culture. It is part of our character. But obviously we are the suburbs. We are more rural areas where people do need trucks or cars to get where they need to go. Right, and you, um, you know, we are it's, these it's, or excerpts and, and those? it's both good and bad. Yeah, so and you it, know, you know it's a little bit
0: about the, the macro bad. to the micro, I think, as far as looking at that, right. you know, pipelines can be beneficial. And I think, you know looking at oh, it from a you know th- looking through it from a you know a macro lens you know it's it's our culture it's our it's our economic system there's a lot of things that can't be changed very quickly and especially no. in urban areas especially you know if you get out to suburban areas there's an easier um uh, path through to to having at least more of a sustainable situation if you changed our economic or political system. Um, you know, say like right. in my backyard, if I wanted, and as long as I had access to water, I could grow most of the fruits and vegetables I needed by getting rid of my grass yeah. and other things. And I could, if that was the situation, but somebody living in Brooklyn on the fifth floor in a 500 square foot apartment, um, you know, they're, you know, they're SOL if they're going to try to, you know, to grow their own fruits and vegetables. Um, and even if you want well, to do rooftop gardens, there's just not enough I mean, land. Really-
1: quick and i'm sorry john just, no, but that's where you have these community farms that have sprung up uh-huh. in new york and elsewhere and i think they are making a difference
0: yeah they're still very symbolic um you no, have to yes, i agree but you know, know. that
1: still matters.
0: oh no, no, no yeah i agree i you know i just i don't i don't i don't want to di- diverge from our topic too much i just want right. kind of wanted to right. make that point but i think There's, ultimately I think, when, when 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 we go from yeah. the macro to the micro and you have um, especially the proponents of pipe, uh, of pipelines talking really on a couple of issues. Um, decreasing dependence on foreign oil and actually yeah, reducing and actually reducing greenhouse gas emissions um, because of the fact that they're going to be getting the oil from these areas. There's, they're not going to stop getting oil from the Bakken. They're not going to stop getting oil from the tar sands. And if they don't right. have pipelines, they're going to use trains, which are diesel, and uh, tractor-trailer trucks, semi-trucks, you know, whatever you want to call them. Um, and they also run on diesel. So, you know, right. I, I think us, you know, kind of discussing those two things, I think, you know, is is, is really on the micro level. from You know, besides the macro level on, 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 on pipelines and why they help us in our society, because without them, it raises it raises costs for all of us. And that's why we kind of talked about the system we live in and on the macro level kind of leads as led us to pipelines because that's the way our, our system has been structured right. and has been propped and I, up.
1: I think on that, on that topic, if I may, um, as we all know, yesterday was the 15th anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks, certainly the worst on this nation's soil. Uh, and, and of course, one other part of that that's coming to light here is how much the Saudi Arabian government may or may not have played a role in it. Uh, of course, Saudi Arabia, a major oil producer, a country that most people find the government there, and the, the right and how it restricts the rights of women to be reprehensible, and a country, frankly, many are saying we should not be doing any business with. Now, the reality is we have to because we still need that oil. Therefore, the argument has been, let's make what the Saudis are producing worthless. Let's have our own, you know, certainly renewable energy sources, more and more of them, and yes, use more of the oil we have under the ground. And that's certainly been, I think, uh, one of the main, uh, you know, seriously good talking points for those who support greater energy production in this country.
0: Now, uh, you have that that argument being made and then you have the people on the other side like uh you know uh, plenty of others uh uh and and some of the uh, guys that are really supporting that they you know, i see a quote here from uh representative ed whitfield from kentucky saying the keystone project has the potential to definitely reduce oil imports in the middle east uh and then well, uh, the Department helped, of Energy but it contractor. It would
1: not. Other studies have found. As you were going to say, exactly. no, it wouldn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, an analysis by Department of Energy contractor NSIS Energy, December 2010, said it, uh, that Keystone would have virtually no impact on Middle East imports.
1: Um, right. And I, I mean, I think if the Keystone proponents really shot themselves in the foot by making these very overstated claims about what this pipeline would do that
0: just wasn't the case. Yeah, um, well, uh, I, 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 I don't see that that's, it's basically been debunked, I think. Um, uh, the same thing says, uh, da, 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 Washington Post, even editorial board says, it's not going to happen. Um, right. let's see, the, the uh, the, uh, obviously the Hillary Clinton State Department, um, if the United States imported every barrel it burned from Canada, or even if it unearthed it from American soil, um, America, uh, it would decline. It would it would have a certain number of 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 energy independence, but it wouldn't it wouldn't really uh, eliminate it completely. Um, I think what it says with Out it says we would still get two point four two millions barrel barrels per day would still be imported from the Middle East.
1: Oh yes, I mean, I mean, it's great for us to be producing our own energy. The more, the better, and uh, you know that's not without risks. But no, it's not going to suddenly make the Saudis the nicest guys on earth. And by that I mean the government and what what it does, and it's not going to fix some of the geopolitical uh, issues connected to this. It may help, and it, I, I believe it it will in the long run, but it will be no overnight fix.
0: Now let's get into greenhouse gas emissions. Um, yeah, that's also a it's 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 tied in in both ways, uh, um, especially from environmental angles. Um, they say that it will increase. They worry because you're then now still increasing your dependence on foreign oil, so you have more cars going out on the road, which impact greenhouse gas emissions. Um, but those some of those things operate on a separate notion. I I, mean, I guess you know for lack of a better term, I think. Um, though if you increase your dependence you're not going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions down the road. Uh, 2030, where a lot of these uh, really kind of extreme forecasts go to. Um, but then right. there's the even smaller discussion where it's about how you don't have, like we had talked a second ago, no planes. I mean, no trains, no no, no semi-trailers hauling this stuff. Um, so those are two different topics. Um, is there is there, what, what have you seen on it?
1: Well, I, I, I think you know we're we're in that odd uh, kind of catch-22. We to me we need to we need to pursue as many alternative energy sources as possible. However, most of those don't come about without the ex, ex, the expenditure so so to speak of a lot of traditional energy resources. Um, and and in terms of of the long-term goal of really stopping climate change or at least halting it. Um, you know, and of course we've had these these accords and, and meetings in Paris and elsewhere, uh, and and all the political, you know, or, or the intentions of politicians in the world to fix this is fine. But unless you're getting corporations on board, and of course people themselves to be willing to either pay higher taxes to support uh, more aggressive alternative energy. Production or or make just make so many fundamental changes as we were saying earlier in their lives. Uh, You know, again, there's not there's just not one easy solution to this. And and uh, you know that was an objection to the Keystone pipeline, uh, no matter what its proponents may have said. uh, Fracking certainly comes with a lot of environmental damage and a lot of usage of water. Uh, and perhaps greater risk of earthquakes in areas where it had never existed <laughs> um, or not, you know, not recorded.
0: Um, yeah, and that's a whole nother topic, uh, especially what happened in Oklahoma. Um, right. Recently, right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, whether yeah, fracking um, is going to destroy the the uh, Ogallala Aquifer or not anyway, uh, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I, 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 you know, again, I think to me, the, the, that one argument about the, the Keystone Pipeline and its greenhouse gas impact, uh, you know, it's important. I'm not sure that that is really the, big, the biggest problem of it. Um, but again, again, there's just, what it comes down to for me is how much of a major overhaul can the world in general make in terms of how it's producing energy? Uh, you know, we've seen all these great innovations, and we are making progress with solar, with wind, with hydro, all of that's to the good. Um, but you know, how, how is it enough in time to really start halting the more damaging effects of climate change? I, I, I see, I, I think personally, it, it all does help, um, but again, it's, it's the speed with which it's happening to me is the real
0: issue at this point. Yeah, and I think when we talk about um, the fact that, you know, pipelines can be cleaner, um, there's a, there was a, uh, you know, Forbes did a nice collection of, of, of kind of what goes on, and we talk about, okay, you know, we... Kind of discussed, you know, the macro that we had talked about earlier in this in in, the, in this last five point, um, that it's our system. We're going to be using oil, um, and so say you take oh, yeah. it that way, and then you say, well, what are we going to do? And it's greenhouse gas emissions, um, but it's also spills. It's 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 other things because it's going to be moved. And and say you stop a pipeline from the Bakken. Um, and and this is successful. Uh, if the if the Dakota Access Pipeline is stopped dead in its tracks, it's never built. They're still pulling oil out of the ground up there, and they're still going to try to get it to the place in Illinois where they want it. They're still going to try to get mm-hmm. it down to Houston to be refined. It's going to happen because right. that's what's there. Um, yes. Yeah. And so I guess you know you know when you ask the question. Right now, I guess seventy percent of crude oil and petroleum products are shipped by pipeline um, in this country right now, and twenty-three percent. Um, and this is all, you know, all all according to a Forbes story um, from twenty fourteen. Twenty-three percent are on tankers and barges over water, and tr- uh, trucking is four percent, and rail three uh, percent. In Canada, ninety-seven percent. Um, is is in pipelines um,
1: yeah I mean those are some pretty pretty uh, interesting statistics um, You know it, it, it just it does change the way a person looks at how this energy is being delivered.
0: You know and I, you know so what they did in this Forbes story, I think if you look at it it's there was a train wreck in Quebec. Um, in 2013, yes, um, yes, and it spilled 1.5 million gallons of crude onto land,
1: right. and many people killed as well. That was just a horrific incident,
0: and it killed 47 people. Right, the train wreck. Yeah, um, but the Enbridge pipeline, um, and it spilled over a million gallons of water of of oil into the Kalamazoo River but it didn't yeah. kill anybody directly um and as they said um it's about 400 million dollars in human life um total of about 550 million dollars for the Quebec Trail train derailment um and the rail i think they put that i don't see where they put it uh the tr- uh, the train derailment costs less than 12 million dollars in human life um than what it did to the water right um it's cheaper to transport crude by pipeline than rail it's about five dollars a barrel to 12 to 10 dollars. Um, to $15 a barrel for doing it on rail. Um, but there's less accidents right now. More crude oil was spilled in 2013 than it, by U.S. rail accidents than was spilled in the previous 37 years. But that's really because Bye. of some very large, large rail spills. Um, but you can have you can have badness go anywhere, and I, I you know, and I, I, I that wasn't a very eloquent way to say it. But um, you know, we talk about the damage, and we've talked about the damage that pipelines can do. But there's they're going to be moving that that oil, whether we like it or whether anyone likes it or not. The nature of our system is. They, if they can't do it on a pipeline over, over tribal land, they're going to put it on the highway or they're going to put it on rail lines where they have no dispute. Right. Um, and it's just as likely, um, you know, that, that there can be an accident. I mean, obviously we talk about there's really not a difference between uh, or there's not really a comparison between doing it by, by, by semi or big rig. Um there was uh, what we said uh the, you know according to that Forbes article is only 4% but it's 23% by rail. Um Right. And I guess that was 163 million and 262 million barrels um were transported by rail in 2013. And that's about just the Keystone alone. Um Which was up from 7 million barrels of crude in 2008. Because as we've increased our domestic production, you have to get this stuff from one way to the other. And as pipelines get overloaded, it increasingly goes to rail. And supposedly, rail is just as dangerous or even more dangerous because of of where it goes and what it does. Oh, it is. Yeah,
1: without question. I mean, without question.
0: But again, we don't know that for sure. I mean, you're talking about a rail accident where an accident is pretty big. And sometimes you go over different areas, but you know, say you have it going. You know, if it the leak actually happens, right where the Ogallala uh, uh, Aquifer is, or where um, the aquifer in Texas is, or you know, within a hundred feet of the Missouri River where um, the Sioux tribe is, uh, it's more right. location for for damage than it is on um, what you're using. Almost it seems like. Does that make any sense?
1: Yes, it absolutely does. I mean, they're, they're, well, not to repeat myself, but again, no matter how this energy is being moved, um, and if especially if it's something that has perhaps more toxicity, could <laughs> say solar, um, there are risks. It all depends on what a community or what a government or company thinks are acceptable risks. And that to me, that comes back to the, the uh, Standing Rock Tribe and its opposition to this uh, this pipeline in the Dakotas.
0: It's obviously not a it's a it's a dangerous way no matter where you go and yes you know you can fight pipelines because they are what we talked about they're these large massive thousand mile things but there's you know rail track that exists everywhere and they go. Through almost every major city, over every major river, and it's going to be moved yeah. from place to place, whether whether people who who don't like pipelines or not. If you can stop a pipeline, they're going to put that oil on a train, most likely, because right. um, you know, it it would take. Uh, I think it said. I think you know, according according to the to 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 the Forbes story. A single a single uh semi truck. Only holds about nine thousand gallons or two hundred barrels, and it's only that's only about a third of a single rail car that you can put in, um, and it's the reason why they like pipelines. Besides the fact, you know, it's cheaper, but it's cheaper because it moves it faster um, and at a greater amount than having to actually put it in a container and move it. Um, it runs through an open-ended pipe. It goes to a big tank at some point, and it just fills it. Um, it's a lot easier. You don't have to move it and transport it. It's just moving by itself. But they're going to move it. Um, oh,
1: without, yeah. they, and, without a doubt.
0: And, and, and the idea of, of in, to, to, to supplant, um, if you said, okay, no Keystone XL um, or, none, or say no Dakota Access Pipeline, if you're going to put it in trucks, it's going to be a million and a half new semis that you need to add to the roads. In order, which is,
1: you know, creates much more traffic on the road, greater chance for collisions. Uh, you know, so it's, you know, that it's, it's it's unsettling on a certain level to think about that. It really is.
0: It's a conundrum that that has no solution. Um,
1: Not an easy one, and you know, as long as you know, we can hope that these companies are working on methods to to to, to reduce the risk. That's great. That governments are also playing a role in that uh, and also you know you just have more innovation in renewable energy and, and I think we could reach a happy medium in, in terms of, of how this is impacting our communities and also just how it may be giving the environment a little more of a break
0: mm-hmm. well I feel like we've got our five points today should we declare them closed
1: I agree I agree Right. There's a lot happening. It'll be interesting to watch where this uh, Standing Rock uh, pipeline issue goes. That's that's because uh, that's not going to be, you know, that's not going to be lessening anytime soon.
0: No, and it's and it's uh, one of those situations where as long as the Bakken keeps keeps going, there's going to be issues, and it's kind of oh, still sure. like the wild west out there. There's not very many people out in that area, um, and no. it was kind of forgotten. And now that there's that, you know, the push. Um, and it is a little surprising right. with, with oil prices still being low. Um, you know, this, this whole thing was a completely different situation when when oil prices were so high, there was even a greater push. I mean, this is when, when, when output in the Bakken has gone down because oil prices are so high and it's not as profitable to take that oil out as it is to do it um, when, 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 when Saudi Arabia isn't artificially keeping prices down. Um, and I say Saudi right. Arabia, but you know the o- the OPEC nations, for the most part, um, as you know, Saudi Arabia is the biggest player within it because they have yes. most of the oil. You know, we everyone talks about how grand Iraq and Iran is. Um, most recently, Mister Trumpkin, um, but still, Saudi Arabia overwhelmingly, for anyone who doesn't know that, controls the oil, the world's oil reserves. Um, yes, it
1: does. And again, it's it's that has serious geopolitical and national security issues attached to that as well. So there are so many components to this.
0: So we'll revisit it again, right, Karen?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I look forward to it.
0: Well, we hope, we hope that everyone enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed talking about these five points on pipelines. Um, we will be continuing the story, and if anything else comes up, you can be sure that we're going to be discussing it uh, in the future. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to you, Karen. Thank Have you.
1: Another great hour Thank of conversation. You.